Chapter Seven of Christie's Christmas by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven: The Helper Still. Do you imagine that the train soon started? Nothing seemed farther from its thoughts. The baby eagerly drank his milk from the bright tin cup, much occupied, it is true, as soon as his first hunger was appeased, with gazing at the queer shapes in its sides, but never recognizing, apparently, his own beautiful face. But after each gaze, he would seize the cup and take another long draught. I tell you he was hungry and thirsty both, I should think, Wells said, watching him with interest. His mother ought to give you a great many thanks for this. Poor mother, said Christy with a sigh, and she drew the baby closer. He settled back in her arms at last, satisfied and smiling. Tamed, Wells called it, and he and the old gentleman, who had returned to his own seat, exchanged smiles of admiration as Christy mothered the baby, cooing him presently into quiet, restful slumber. The shawl did duty again as a pillow, and this time genuine sleeping was done. Long past nine o'clock now, and no train either came or went. The officials seemed all to have departed, and some of the passengers. The old gentleman kept his seat, so did the pale-faced man, so did the disgusted-looking lady who had finished her book, and had now no other occupation to indulge in but grumbling. How far are we from the city? Christie questioned. Why, not more than a dozen miles. I should think some of the men who are in a hurry would try to hire a wagon to take them in. Wells shook his head. I should like to see a wagon that could get through this mud, he explained. You see, there is no wagon road. The old road strikes off at that junction down below and winds around I don't know how many miles. I don't suppose it would be possible to drive direct from here to the city, and the regular road is used so little out this way now that it must be horrid after these rains. Well, shouldn't you think that man over there, who is so anxious, would try to walk? I think I could walk twelve miles if mother or the baby was sick. Not in this mud, I venture. I doubt if you ever took many long walks in such mud. Why, in some places it is knee-deep. Besides, don't you see he would stand a chance of seeing this train whisk by him when he was about halfway? No, his best plan is to sit still and be patient. He doesn't look patient, said Christy. I never saw anybody's face look less patient than his, and I am so sorry for him I don't know what to do. I keep thinking I wish I could do something to help him. I wonder if it is his mother who is sick. Wells studied him for a few minutes, and then gave it as his opinion that it was the lady whom he meant to marry, though why he thought so I am sure I don't know. The next thing that claimed attention was the sprained ankle. I'll tell you what it is, said Wells. There's something going on down there in my foot that I don't like. It gives the most horrid little tweaks of pain every few minutes that you ever heard of, and it is swelling so that I don't believe I shall ever be able to wear a boot again. It ought to be bathed, said Christie, and bandaged. 
that is what mother did when father sprained his foot once she took cold water and bathed and bathed it oh a long time then she made a great long bandage and bound it up and it got well after a while i think i ought to bathe your foot you said wells in dismay and looking more astonished than he had at anything yet as if i should allow you to do such a thing why not i should think you would be very foolish not to let me i know how i've done it for father by the hour you see it soothes the pain and makes the swelling go down but i don't know what i would put water in how queer it is that we can get to places where we miss all the little things that we thought we should have of course now i thought i should always be where i could get a basin or a bowl to put water in if the baby had drank all the milk i could use the pail but i dare not throw it away because he might need it before his mother gets to him i should think not said wells meaning about the milk it cost too much to throw away yes said christy gravely but then they did not charge me any more than other people charge for a quart of milk wells's eyes danced over this he had not meant the cost in money but he said nothing meantime christy looked up and down the car her face thoughtful and anxious she was studying ways for bathing the sick foot wells was secretly glad that there seemed no chance for it he would have liked his mother to do it but he could not bear to think of having his foot bathed by this trim little girl suddenly christy hopped up her face bright and yet doubtful if you can imagine the two on the same face she saw a way to do it if only the seaside library woman would be good and help it was very unpleasant to have to ask a favor of her but christy was not one to stop at unpleasant things when they looked as though they ought to be done the lady's satchel lay open at her side on the seat she was fumbling discontentedly through it looking for something that she did not seem to find but the thing that christy saw was a small white pitcher lying snugly among the napkins empty and waiting apparently for work to do she went over to her in haste it would not do to take much time to think about this thing which was so disagreeable would you be so kind as to lend me the pitcher for a while to keep baby's milk in i want to fill the pail with water to bathe the lame foot it is beginning to swell very much and i think that will help it mother thought it helped father a long speech for christy the lady looked so very disagreeable that the child felt a nervous desire to keep on talking and not give her a chance to make a disagreeable answer but she came to the end of her long sentence at last and waited wells was laughing he was almost willing to have his ankle bathed if it would in any way add to the discomfort of the lady for what seemed to poor christy several long minutes she stared at her as though she were some unpleasant curiosity that had not been seen before then said i suppose so what a set i have got among the insolent boy doesn't deserve to have his ankle bathed if he had been sitting in the cars as he ought the accident would not have happened why can't you throw that slop of milk away if you want the pail 
Christy meekly explained her fears that the baby might fancy himself hungry when he awoke, and at last, with a disgusted sigh, the lady took the delicate china pitcher from its nest and passed it into Christy's keeping. Here, she said, you will break it, I presume, the next thing, and it belongs to a set. I was a simpleton to bring it, but how was I to know there would be such a nuisance of a time? Oh, thank you, said Christy. I will be very careful of it. And she tripped away with a relieved face. The old gentleman was watching. When the milk was carefully poured into the china pitcher, what did he do but offer to take care of it? Very grateful was Christy, for while she poured, she had wondered what she should do with the frail china thing in order to keep it from bumping against the car. To be sure, there was no motion now, but there was always the hope that the cars would start. Next, the pail must be washed. For the first time in her life, Christy made her way to the water cooler, which stood in a corner of the car, and managed to learn how to make the water flow. Washing the pail was an easy matter. It was a relief to come to something that she knew just how to do, and had often done before. She was soon at her work, a neat handkerchief doing duty as a bathing cloth. The sock was carefully, tenderly drawn from the poor swollen foot, not without help from Wells's knife, for the ankle was by this time very unwilling to be touched, and the bathing began. At first Wells's face had a flush on it that was not all caused by pain. It was such a queer thing to have a little girl, and she a stranger to him, bathing his foot. But the cold water felt so pleasant, and the touch of the small hand was so gentle and skillful, that gradually a feeling of relief and satisfaction began to steal over him. "'I did not know there was so much good in water,' he said, watching her as she steadily passed her cool cloth up and down the foot. "'Water is real wonderful,' said Christy. "'Mother says that half the people in the world don't know what a splendid doctor it is. Sometimes she uses it real hot, and it will stop a pain in a few minutes.' Hot water would be good for your foot if we could get some. I wish we could, for I am most sure that it would make this swelling go down faster. We might split some pieces off the side of the car and start a fire. I could whittle some off, maybe, or the old gentleman could. No, he can't leave his pitcher of milk. But the young man hasn't anything to do. We might try him. I have some matches in my pocket." By this time he had to stop and laugh over the bewildered look on the little nurse's face. "'I beg your pardon,' he said, seeing the flushed cheeks. "'I'm afraid it sounds like making fun of you, and that is the last thing I was thinking of, I can tell you. I was only thinking that you had done so many things today that seemed impossible. Perhaps you would manage a fire to heat water. You can't think how nice the cold water feels.' I hate to have you down there mussing over me. You are getting drops of water all over your pretty dress. I'm afraid, among us, we shall manage to spoil all your clothes. But my foot feels fifty percent better. I can tell you somebody who will be very much obliged to you for this morning's work, and that's my mamma. Said Christy, Isn't it nice that the baby sleeps all this while? 
if he should awaken before I get your foot bandaged, I don't know what I should do. The distressed tone of motherly anxiety in which she said this set Wells off into another laugh. He thought her the strangest little girl he had ever seen in his life. The truth was that he was not acquainted with any little girls who knew how to do things which are supposed to belong to women. But Christie had been her mother's oldest daughter, and her only helper in the home for so many years, that she had learned many things, and had a fashion of planning beforehand much as her mother did. Bandaged? repeated Wells when his laugh was over. Why, what will you bandage it with? I should say that was about as hard to manage as a fire. Oh, no! I didn't know what you meant about making a fire. I'm sure there is fire enough in the stove. If I could make a place on the stove to set this pail, I could have hot water. But I really can't do that. A bandage, though, from somewhere we must have. You see, the foot must be bandaged now that it has been wet. Mother thinks they swell more after wetting, unless they are bound up pretty tight. I have one other handkerchief, but it is small. Still, it would make a beginning, and I suppose you have one, and the old gentleman maybe has two, men often have. I think we can get enough to make quite a nice bandage. Are you really going through the car to take up a collection of handkerchiefs for my benefit? Wells was so amused that he could hardly speak the words, but Christie looked perfectly sober. Why not? she said. Anybody who had one would give it for such a thing, you know. And it is really necessary. Mother was very particular about it when father had a sprain. Well, I suppose you will do it. I think you would do anything that it happened to come into your head ought to be done. But I beg you to ask each of the contributors for their addresses, for I shall want to express a few handkerchiefs to them if this train ever does reach the city. In due course of time, Christie did just that thing. She went timidly over to the old gentleman and told him her plan. She did not like to do it, but it seemed the next thing to be done and as she walked along, she remembered that she had not liked to do one of the things that had come to her since she stopped the train. Yet they all had turned out well so far. Even the china pitcher was doing its duty as nicely as though its owner had been willing to lend it. The old gentleman was delightful. He took out two of the largest and finest cambric handkerchiefs that Christie had ever seen. It did seem a pity to tear them, but he gave them up as though it was a pleasure to him to think of their being torn in bits. The young man was equally ready, and more able, for he opened his case and produced three or four, which Christie saw with joy, for she need not now go to the owner of the pitcher. "'How are you going to fasten the pieces?' he asked as he spread out the handkerchiefs and prepared to help tear them. Pins will scratch, and besides, will not make a smooth bandage. Take care, you are getting that one too wide. Bandages are nuisances unless they fit nicely. What shall we do about the sewing? I suppose you haven't a workbox with you? Not quite, said Christie, laughing, and feeling as though she were well acquainted with him. 
but I have something that will do to sew bandages. I had a necktie to hem for father, and I took it along for work today at my uncle's. The only trouble is it is black silk, and I ought to have white thread, but it will do. Of course it will do, her new friend said heartily. Did you ever read fairy stories? There is one about a little woman who had in her pocket, or her mouth, or her shoes, somewhere about her, just the thing that was wanted next. I didn't know that fairies traveled on the cars, but I believe you must be her cousin at least. I wonder if you would like some help in putting this bandage on. I have done such things before now, and I think perhaps my hands are a little stronger than yours. Oh! said Christy, relieved and smiling. I am so glad. I didn't know how it would get on. I tried once to bandage father's foot, and I did not do it well at all. But I thought I must do the best I could this time, and maybe it would last until he got to the city. Are you a doctor, sir? Not quite. I am only studying, with the hope of being one sometime. You did not know you were a teacher as well as a fairy, did you? I, said Christy, looking greatly astonished. You. I have been watching you all the morning, and I concluded just now that it was time I roused myself and began to think of something besides my own great disappointment. I suppose I shall reach the city just as soon if I help bandage that foot as though I sat here and looked at my watch and longed for the train to start. The sentence ended with a little sigh, and the anxious look came back to his pale face as he skillfully rolled the bandage into a hard little ball. I am very sorry for you, said Christy gently. I do hope you will get to the city in time, and I can't help thinking that you will. There was such a confident little note in her voice that he glanced at her curiously. Do your fairy powers reach in that direction? He said, smiling just a little. Could you wave your hand, do you think, and make this train start on its way? She shook her head, smiling, yet with a serious mouth. Nobody ever thought of such a thing as calling me a fairy. I am only Christy Tucker but I prayed to God to let you get to the city as quick as he could, and to let your friend get well, and I can't help thinking that he will do it. I know he will if it is best. How did you find that out? Why, said Christy, puzzled how to answer this, yet feeling that it ought to be answered. Of course he will. He said so, you know. Or, well, he said so about some people. Are not you one of them, sir? One of whom? One of the people who love God? He said he would make everything come just right to the people who love him, and he never breaks a promise, you know. Look here, little woman, that lady over there who is tearing a letter into bits has not been very polite to you, I have noticed, and I suppose she doesn't love you nearly as well as your mother does, for instance. But suppose you knew that her sister was very sick, and that she was anxious to get to her. If you could, wouldn't you make this train go on as fast as possible, so as to give her a chance to get to the city? Yes, sir, said Christy unhesitatingly. I would, of course. Then you are better than God? 
You see, he doesn't do it. Christy considered this for a moment, then said, But I might make a dreadful mistake. Perhaps two trains would run into each other, or it might be all wrong in some way. You see, God knows how to do things, and I don't. Ah, but if you knew how to do things, you could plan so that it would all come out best. This is what you say God does for those who love him, and I am showing you that you would do it for those who don't love you, and are therefore marking yourself out to be better than God. Don't you see? Christy looked distressed. What she saw was that this man needed to have somebody explain things to him. He did not disturb her faith, but how was she going to show him that God was good to all? She thought it over in silence while he still rolled at the bandage, which showed a perverse desire to twist and needed care from her watchful fingers all the time. At last she said timidly, I know there is a way to explain, but I don't know how to do it. If you knew our minister, he could tell you. Don't you think, though, that some people won't let God do the best for them? He wants them to choose to love him, and then he can take care of them and see that everything comes out all right. Our minister told me about it. There was a little boy living at Mr. Briggs that came all the way from the Home for Little Wanderers in New York. Mr. Briggs took him to work on the farm. His name is Johnny, and our minister said, What if Johnny should run away and refuse to live with Mr. Briggs? Could he be taken care of as he would have been if he had stayed with the man who had promised him a home? He said a great deal more and made it real plain. If you could talk with him, I know he could make you understand, but I am only a little girl." You are a very good little girl, he said gently, and whether I understand things as you do or not, I thank you for praying for me. That will not do me any harm, I am sure. Now we will go and see about fitting the bandage to that sick foot. Skillful fingers soon had the foot more comfortable than it had been since the accident. Well submitted to the new helper meekly, though he made a wry face at Christy behind the piece of handkerchief that was left from the bandage. "'I don't know about liking that man,' he said to Christy, when the foot was nicely done up and resting on the cushion of the turned seat. "'He might have walked up before and helped you with that baby. He must have seen that it was a tug for you.' "'Men don't know about babies,' Christy answered gravely, but I am glad that he knows about bandages. How nicely he did that! It looks just as though a doctor had been here. Well, he is a doctor. The mischief he is! Then I ought to have offered to pay him. Oh, no! said Christy, distressed. I don't believe he would have liked that. He did it for kindness, not for pay. He is very pleasant, but just as sad. He gives very long sighs right in the midst of his talk. I am sorry for him, sorrier than before he helped us. Why? Because I am afraid he doesn't believe in God. He is not one of God's people, I'm most sure, because they never talk in that way, and it makes things a great deal harder to bear. Talk in what way? How do you tell people of that kind? 
why he almost found fault with god talked as though he did not believe that god would do the best for everybody and you know his children never say such things don't they i am sure i did not know it i guess i am not acquainted with many of them i'll tell you what it is christy i have a brother whom i would like to have you make understand things if you could he is sick and lame and will never be any better and he got so by helping somebody else doing his duty you know it would be hard work for you to make him believe that things are just right in this world he thinks it is awful that he doesn't get well and i must say it seems most too bad he was a splendid scholar you see led his class in college and was going to make a great man people thought now it is all spoiled and he suffers all the time and will have to as long as he lives what hurt him asked christy her eyes full of sympathy and sorrow why a house was burning and he climbed a ladder when nobody else would and went inside and saved a little baby and part of the wall fell on him and hurt his back the doctor says he will never be any better christy's tears came out right now i am so sorry for him she said but if he only knew god it would be a great deal easier to bear what a long long morning it was the baby had his nap out and awoke and fretted a good deal and cried outright for his mamma and drank some more milk and played with the old gentleman's gold-headed cane and went over to the pale-faced young man and was entertained for a while and cried some more and was given a cookie and at last fell asleep again and there that train stood immovable it began to be certain now that there was serious trouble word came through the railroad men that the track was injured a long distance ahead and for that reason no train could get out from the city to relieve them to add to the dreariness it began to rain a fierce driving storm and of course the mud grew deeper every moment dear dear said christy i hope they don't know about it at home mother will be so worried that she won't know what to do it's most a wonder that your people let you start out said wells i suppose the morning papers gave an account of the mischief done by the rain in the night but our folks are all away and i like an idiot never looked at a paper then christy her cheeks somewhat red explained that they did not take a daily paper that father couldn't quite afford it yet and so they had known nothing about trouble on the railroad there is always some trouble with this road said wells feeling cross first it is a freshet and then a landslide or a washout or the engine gives out i don't know how many times we have been detained but never so long as this i should like to know what we are to do for some dinner i know i am as hungry as a wolf i didn't eat much breakfast this morning it was so sort of stupid to be sitting in that great dining-room all alone it was after twelve o'clock when this remark was made the patience of everybody in the car was exhausted and christy was beginning to look anxiously at the dribble of milk left in the pitcher 
what should she do if the train did not start soon or the mother come that doctor of yours will have to plunge through the mud and get us some more milk or something said wells at last trying to raise himself on his elbow to get a view of the rainy world what object is that he said as he drew back his head look christy there are two of them and they are dragging a basket between them that must be decidedly heavy. How are they ever going to get through that puddle of water? And where are they bound for, do you suppose? Said Christy, It is Sarah Ann! End of chapter 7